0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me again to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We have made our way thus far to verse 18. And so our focus text this morning will be verses 18 through 25. Verses 18. Through 25. Now, before we hear the reading and preaching of God's word, join me once again in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to your word, your holy, your most precious word, your word that has the wonderful words of life, the word that shows us our Lord Jesus Christ and your wonderful gospel, the wonderful salvation that is ours in Him, the wonders of you and your character, O Lord. You are to be praised, for every word is true, every word is right and holy. Oh Lord, we pray that your Spirit would press these words that we consider this morning into our very hearts, that you would give us great joy in believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Hear now the very word of God written for you and for me today. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent." Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request the sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word to us. Well, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Christ has lovingly and mercifully condescended to his people to save us. He used his servants to gather and plant us as his church, rooted in him, nurturing and growing us in holiness that that we would be a glorious bride for him. Christ planted and built the church in Corinth all those years ago using his servant Paul and others. And yet trouble, sin, and corruption infiltrated the body quickly after Paul left them, didn't it? The temptations and the influences of the world around them, along with the corruption of pride within, were so deceiving and luring that the people took the bait and latched on to many things that they ought not. We would be wise to be mindful of these things, to listen to the instruction and correction of the Lord in this epistle, and to seek to be diligent and faithful today and in the days ahead. Now, if you recall, the, the fellowship and the unity the Corinthians had in Christ had been challenged and was falling apart as they let sin fester. They quarreled with each other and became divided against each other. Reconciliation and resolution weren't happening. Wedges were being driven deeper and deeper between them. They may have looked stable to many on the outside, but on the inside, they were a mess of contention and problems. And so having heard reports of this happening, Paul, the faithful apostle and their first pastor, wrote to plea, to, to appeal to them, to correct and to restore what was damaged. For not only were they dividing over their favorite minister or apostle, but some were also making claims that Paul baptized in his own name. And as Paul spoke about how that wasn't true, we considered his words about how he didn't baptize but a small number of people in the congregation. And of those he baptized, note that he baptized the household of Stephanus. Now, we can't be sure of who made up Stephanus's household, but there is an indirect reference here to covenant baptism. The infants who would have been baptized, the infants uh, would have been baptized along with the rest of the household if, in fact, there were infants in that household. But the main duty of Paul in his ministry, he said, was the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And as we come to our text this morning, it's wise to remember verse 17 in the preceding context. In what manner was Paul to preach the good news of Jesus? Well, look at what he says in verse 17. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So considering that, Let's now look at the foolishness and the power of the message that he speaks of in verses 18 and 19, as well as the world's wisdom versus God's wisdom in verses 20 and 21, and finally Christ, the wisdom and power of God who is marvelously set before us in 22 through 25. But first, we consider the foolishness and power of this message in verse 18 and 19. Now, it's good to know that the Apostle Paul was intentional and skilled with the grace and power of God in his preaching. Many people would agree with that, right? All the believers in the church, they were encouraged by the preaching as he was uh, preaching and the Spirit was at work in him in doing so. He intentionally didn't use worthless rhetoric or flourishing oratory and wise words of men that flowered or or added to or took away from or, or otherwise skewed the pure truth of the gospel. It was this kind of rhetoric that the Greeks applauded. They wanted that, right? Good job. They wanted to hear preachers and speakers who would give them those types of things. It was this kind of oratory that many in the church in Corinth had come to desire as well. But see that Paul didn't give the saints what they had grown to want. He reoriented them to, in these verses, what they needed to hear. And what they needed then to proclaim to the lost in Corinth. See that the focus isn't on the act of preaching, but the content of the message of the cross. We can all, too, be easily growing in in things that we shouldn't, can't we? We can want our our ears tickled and scratched in worldly ways or with worldly things that, that try to creep in unnoticed. But praise God that he provides faithful ministers to his church to give us what we need in preaching in the pure milk of word and gospel. This is what we need. We don't need the fluff and the wisdom of men, but how many churches today is that true? Some of you may have come from some of those churches. Because the Word of God was not being proclaimed. The Gospel of Christ was not being proclaimed in its purity and truth, but it was being flowered or twisted or turned into something that it isn't. Christ was not on display in his glory and his work in his life, death, and resurrection. But why did Paul preach the message this way? Look at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We see here, beloved, the teaching of Scripture, that there are two groups of people, two types of response to the gospel, according to God's purpose and will, notice. There are those who hear with their ears, but remain deaf and blind to the truth. And there are also God's elect, who hear the truth and believe. As Simeon said in his blessing in Luke 2, 34, Behold, this child, referring to Christ, is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel. Paul later said in his second epistle to Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 2, 14-17, you can turn with me there if you'd like. 2 Corinthians 2, 14-17, we read there beginning in verse 14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Such a very vivid description. It's the the olfactory senses, right? The fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Look at verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing, to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Now see two things here. First, to those who cannot hear with the ears of faith, to the lost and the perishing, sermons of Christ can can really only be silly. The gospel of Christ and the cross is foolishness to them and in their minds coming out of the mouths of fools. For in their understanding, it is the aroma of death. That's what they smell. Only a fool could Proclaim such words. Only a fool can believe such things. But of course we know that this remains true today, don't we? The world laughs at the gospel, mocks the cross, mocks Christ. And yet Paul pressed on and he preached Christ and him crucified. He didn't peddle him or peddle his word for his own gain. No, for he said, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those who will be eternally saved, my friends, and are now in the true road of eternal life and salvation, the preaching of the gospel is that wonderful word of God by which God shows his power in the salvation of his chosen people. It is the most beautiful and glorious thing in the world. And it is a display of his almighty power. The gospel, indeed, has the power to give new life in Christ. Paul shared this truth with the saints in Rome in Romans 1.16, if you recall. There is no shame in Paul when it came to the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he said, for it is the power of God, the salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Beloved, Paul preached Christ and him crucified boldly and in plain language. That all who would be saved must repent of their sins and believe in Jesus and submit to Him and to His government and to His law. So I ask you today, are you sitting here and do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you trusting and resting in Him for your salvation? Do you receive this pure message of Christ and His work on the cross as He died for sinners to save them as silliness? Or is it the aroma of life in you? If you are hearing my words and this is silliness, or you haven't turned to Christ in true faith, I I call you today to do so. Repent of your sins and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy and for salvation. For all who call upon the name of Christ will by no means be cast out. The beloved Paul goes on in verse 19 to quote Isaiah 29 verse 14 to support his claim and to show us the triumph of the cross over the wisdom of men. Further, Paul wants to impress upon the Corinthians and us today that what he is saying is nothing new. And that's a good thing. Verse 19, he says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. When one is wise in their own eyes, when one is not only standing or, or speaking the wisdom of men, when someone is really rooted and grounded and even trying to launch off of that type of platform and their thoughts and their words, high and lofty they can go. Self is on the throne. And yet the triumph of the cross is seen here over the wisdom of men. God will destroy. He will bring down the wisdom of the wise. He will expose it for what it really is. And why did Paul quote this prophecy? This was a strong warning to the Corinthians. A prophecy that they would have been well familiar with. A prophecy whose truth would would strike to the core of the Corinthian heart. In Isaiah 29, Isaiah rebuked the Israelites. They were under siege by Assyria, but instead of seeking the Lord and his wisdom, they turned to the wise men of their day. And so Paul issued a warning to those who professed Christ in Corinth. There's a warning to us as well here today about the danger and the outcome of the world's wisdom. They needed to let it go, and so do we. We cannot, we must not entertain it. Or give it any value. Especially when it comes to salvation. And this is what we really see him go into in verse 20 and following, don't we? As Paul begins to speak about the world's wisdom versus God's wisdom. Look at verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? here brought the prophecy of the past and he applied it in the present. Paul calls them out as God will begin to dismantle the value of the world's wisdom in their eyes and hearts for remember, beloved, it had taken root in the Corinthian saints. It was present and multiplying in their minds and conversations. Where were and where are the the, the wise men among the heathens? Where are the scribes, the the learned men of the law among the Jews? Where are those among the Jews and Gentiles who inquire into the reason and the nature of things and debate them? They don't understand anything about the mysteries of the gospel or the way of salvation that God holds out to the world in and through Christ philosophies and their moral doctrine done in turning men from sin unto God. They've done absolutely nothing. Paul said to Corinth in the second chapter of this epistle, in chapter 2, verse 6, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. Paul knew where true wisdom lies, where it comes from. It comes from Almighty God himself. God has made the wisdom of these men of the world appear vain and of no use regarding the saving of the souls of men and women, that his divine wisdom would be evident and clear. He brings theirs down to nothing and exposes it for what it is. It's the true foolishness. And he exalts his own, for that is where the truth is. That is where true wisdom is, for he is wisdom. He is the wise one. May we be faithful students. Look at verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to, to save those who believe. Think about this for a moment. The world's blindness to the truth, to truly knowing God, in their own wisdom, was all a part of God's infinite and perfect wisdom. All the learning of this world was confounded by the glorious triumph of Christ on the cross. All the exalted science of the heathen world did not and could not bring them to God. And in spite of all of their wisdom, they were foolish and full of ignorance and sin. Men were puffed up by their knowledge and further alienated from God. And it pleased God to save his people through the foolishness of that message. Through the foolishness of preaching and preaching that message. How does the world not know God? The world isn't looking for Christ, they're always seeking something else. And they rail against. But here we see Christ put on display for who he really is. (laughs) The one who this foolish message, who this wonderful gospel points us to and is all about. In verses 22 through 25. Verse 22, for the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. My friends, when we look at the Gospels, remember as we see Jesus going from town to town, what would the Jews ask him for? They would ask Christ for a sign or for a miracle. Matthew 16, verse 1 is a good example. Right? Matthew 16, verse 1, it says there, Pharisees and Sadducees came and and testing him asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And yet Jesus did what? He refused to give them that, since they refused to believe the miracles he did perform. And therefore, the message of the crucified Messiah was a stumbling block and scandalous to them, to those who didn't believe. The Greeks, even as we've seen this language already talked about, right? and how the Greek world was influencing and pressing into the Corinthian church. We've already seen how the Greeks sought wisdom and and man-centered reason to gain power and to be exalted in the world. To the Greeks the idea of a crucified king was folly as they looked for worldly power and strength and sophistication. That was their search, quest. But notice how Paul remains resolute in the message and the method of delivery. The lost want what they want. They seek what they think will help them in the way that they want to see it. But Paul remained faithful to preach Christ and him crucified to both Jews and Greeks, which is who dead sinners truly need. And he preached it in the way that they needed to hear it. That's what he's saying. But look at verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Matthew Henry said this. I think it's helpful. Those methods of divine conduct that vain men are apt to censure as unwise and weak have more true solid and successful wisdom in them than all the learning and wisdom that are among them and we see that to be true again in this foolish message that some perceive it to be but that foolish message is about the living christ it is he who is on display And he is the power and wisdom of God. To those who are effectually called by God, the the blinders and the scales are removed from our eyes and our hearts. We see and, and we embrace Christ for who he really is. We see that Jesus is truly the power and wisdom of God. We see the good news of the gospel and we say, Thank you, Lord! Praise the Lord! for the gracious and merciful work of the Lord Jesus Christ to save sinners like me and like you. Paul told Corinth again in 2 Corinthians 2.6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ there is the shining light that we would see Jesus and that we would love him because he first loved us. He lived and died and rose that we would live him be his. Well, I'll leave you with this this morning. Beloved, we may all have eyes, may we all have eyes that are wide open, especially here in our church to see the great contrast and the antithesis between the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. Doing so helps us. And this isn't just a practical self-help type of thing, far from it. It's not that at all. It helps us, as we desire by God's grace and the Spirit's work in us, to be faithful and obedient to Him. The world's wisdom exalts self and diminishes Christ. Never be deceived about that. Never take the bait and buy into what they're selling. That it's not about that. That it doesn't do that. Yes, it does. The world looks at the way of God. The world looks at the message of the cross and calls it ridiculous. What we focus on, the way we give of our time and resources to Christ's church the things that we take a stand for, the things that we take a stand against as the people of God, how foolish that is according to the world's standards and lenses. And therefore we must be watchful and on guard that that we would see the world's wisdom for what it is and keep it in all of its forms far from us, far from our families, far from our interests. For as we see in Corinth, worldly wisdom and the reign of self isn't, isn't satisfied by staying on the outside. But it desires to infect. It, in, it desires to infiltrate and infiltrate our hearts and the body of Christ. And yet, as those who know the remedy and, and the sure defense against this infection, May we also be those who rejoice in and fully embrace Jesus. The power and wisdom of God. That's who he is. If you take anything from this sermon today, take that. Know who Jesus is. Know who your Savior is. And love your Savior. Embrace your Savior. For he is your life. He is your life. puts down all those that puts down all others and he stands and reigns and rules and lives in truth and beauty and glory. May we be those also who are faithful to proclaim that foolish message that foolish message of his work on the cross Let's take it forth with zeal, as as the message, message sinners often don't want to hear, but they need to hear. May Jesus Christ be praised and exalted, both now and forever. Amen. Praise God for his word. Praise God for our Lord Christ. Let's pray together. And as we conclude our prayer, we will do so with the words of the Lord's Prayer.